allow myself to say, okay, no, it was a big deal. It did affect me. It will affect me the rest of my life. But in that same breath, it is okay to start to heal from it. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started to change. Hi, this is Thomas Olsen, the host of the Teenage Impact Podcast, where we share stories, tips, and specific strategies on how you as a teenage kid can overcome any adversity in your life, whether it's mental health challenges, bullying, challenges in your relationships, at school, at home, whatever it is, I have interviewed so far 45 people who have overcame these challenges and how you can too. If you haven't done so already, please click in the link in the description where I have compiled a list of 52 tips I wish someone told me in high school. These are tips from anywhere from career, school, mental health. So go check it out. It's only 20 pages. Should take you around 30 minutes to an hour to read. Can totally change your life. If you know someone that's in this funk and they can't seem to get out of it, whether it's a classmate, a friend, a family member, share the Teenage Impact Podcast with them because it's the best podcast out there for any team to listen to because we talk about real mental health struggles that people are going through and what you can do to overcome them. Today's podcast guest is Tova Marks. Tova, some of you may know her as the person who was in the real world in Atlanta. Other people might know her as this influencer who is inspiring many women from around the world who have either been raped or sexually assaulted. Today's podcast episode is going to be about what someone can do if they're being sexually assaulted or have been sexually assaulted because Tova lost her virginity from rape at the age of 16 and she didn't accept it until later on in life. She talks about different coping mechanisms and how you can overcome it. So give it up for Tova Marks. I have Tova with me, uh, tuning in from Phoenix, Arizona. How are you? Good. How about you? Good, good. Let's just dive right into it. I know, I know you mentioned that you were sexually assaulted at 16, but before that, uh, at 12 years old, you did think about suicide at an early age, correct? Yeah. Yes, and that is correct. So tell us a little bit about your preteen to teen years. Um, so I grew up in the Bay Area mm-hmm. um, in San Francisco, and then I moved to San Diego in fifth grade. So it was a pretty hard time to move. Um, I went to a new school, didn't fit in, changed schools in sixth grade, still didn't fit in, changed schools in seventh grade, um, still didn't fit in. That is when we had a suicide prevention assembly. I didn't really know what suicide was, but I knew that I was super depressed. I knew I didn't want to live anymore, um, but I didn't know that suicide was an option. So I think, you know, between the bullying and moving, it was a really hard adjustment and Mm -hmm. I just didn't feel like I fit in anywhere. Um, And I was really, really sad. So after the suicide prevention assembly, I went to my nurse who I ate lunch with every day in middle school. um, And I told her, you know, that is what I want to do. I don't want to live anymore. I don't want to be here. Why would I continue to live when all I do is get bullied every day? I cry after school every single day. You know, this isn't a life that I want to live. So I started therapy when I was 12. Wow, uh, such an early age. So what would people bully you on? Um, I was overweight. I had acne starting at 11 years old. I was the new kid. Um, My parents didn't really focus on um, buying expensive clothes. So I was made fun of for my clothes, for my hair. I didn't wear makeup. 
you know, just the regular 12 year old. Mm -hmm. I did not look like the other kids. And so they made, I was the one that they made fun of. It's crazy because, you know, at 12 years old, I was also bullied. For me, it was a lot of uh, prejudice. You know, I, I received a lot of Jewish jokes mm -hmm. and uh, I received a lot of, of jokes on how I spoke mm -hmm. and how to go to speech therapy for that. But how did you get out of your space? How did you get out of that space? Hey, you know, I can keep on going. I honestly did not follow through with anything because of my mom. She is, I'm an only child. I have two half brothers, but I've never lived with them and they're older and they're my dad's children. So for my mom, I'm her only child. And mm -hmm. I knew that she would not be able to survive if I left her. So every time that I've ever had, you know, suicidal thoughts, I think of my mom and I push through it that way, which, you know, has gotten me through a lot of things, but leaves me with the pain because if it wasn't for her, I would not be here. Gotcha. And now you moved on from middle school. Mm -hmm. And then let's move on to the topic of sexual assault. Before we go into your story, can we let's define what sexual assault is? What is sexual assault? Um, anything without your consent, anything mm -hmm. sexual, touching, anything without your consent, without you saying yes. Mm hmm. And how do you know if you're sexually assaulted or not? Because sometimes, you know, as a, as, as a young woman or man, you're kind of confused, like, was this appropriate? Was this not appropriate? So how do you know? Well, that is exactly what happened to me. I did not know. Um, I did not define it as assault until years later. Mm -hmm. I, in my particular instance, I told him no. I was a virgin. I had only made out with like a couple of people mm -hmm. and I told him no prior to that day. I told him no me the option. So for me, you know, on in media you see bruises or them holding you down or fighting or police reports or hospital visits and none of that happened to me. So I did not believe I was sexually assaulted until, you know, all the psychological things were happening and I realized, okay, well, no, I did tell him no. He didn't give me the option to say no in the moment, but yes, I was still sexually assaulted because I did not say yes. And who, who was this person? We had been dating. We were 16. I knew him for a couple of months but we were not boyfriend, girlfriend. And I told him I did not want to have sex with anybody unless they were my boyfriend, um, that I wanted my first time to be special. And it was not, he just decided we were going to have sex and that was it. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, uh, you, you didn't do anything, but then afterwards, did you take any action or what happened afterwards? No. So I actually changed schools my senior year that it was my, um, junior year of high school and he felt it was gosh it was a whole mess so basically after it happened I didn't really talk about it he was the one who actually defined it as rape he we had a lot of mutual friends and one of my friends called me over to his house one day and said hey you know I know what happened I know he raped you he feels really bad just don't say anything about it because that's what he wants he's going to turn it all on you and so I didn't say anything, but rumors started getting out of hand and I changed schools my senior year of high school. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of just blocked it out as if it didn't happen. 
And then it wasn't until I was around 22 years old that I finally was like, okay, that did happen to me. That was not acceptable. And I started to get help for it. Mm -hmm. How did it affect you from, you know, 16 to 22 when you kind of just put it to the side? Uh, How did it affect you mentally? Um, So I think with girls who go through something like this, especially losing their virginity to sexual assault, you can go one of two ways. You can either have sex with a bunch of people or you can shy away from sex and be afraid and not trust anybody. Um, So unfortunately for me, I went with the multiple partners route. So in Mm -hmm. order to get my power back, I had sex with a bunch of people. I don't, at first I was like, it took me a long time to come to terms with the fact that that was the path that I chose, but I'm not mad at myself anymore for it. Mm -hmm. You know, I know that a lot of girls choose that path. So basically I realized that, you know, I finally was able to realize a couple of years ago, having sex with a bunch of people is not getting your power back. It's giving yourself away more and more. Mm -hmm. That's what I did is I just had sex with a bunch of people until I went to therapy and got help and realized that was not the correct coping mechanism Mm -hmm. for it. So what pushed you to go to therapy? What was that turning point in yourself? It's so weird because I was listening to a song. I was listening to the radio and a song by The Weeknd came on in the night. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know that song. Yeah, I know the song. Yeah. Okay. And so I really identified with it. Just like it says something like he laughed when he did it. She grew up too fast and now she's like a stripper. And I'm like... Okay, I wasn't a stripper. I'm not against strippers or anything, but I that's what I did. I became very promiscuous. And I was like, yeah, he didn't feel bad. He kind of made a joke of it. I grew up very fast. And this is, I just, I had a mental breakdown. I called my mom and she was like, okay, well, you finally get help for it now. So it took me until I was 22 years old to actually go to therapy. And that was my turning point was that song in the car. Mm-hmm. And then uh, did you, before this, did you tell anyone else? Um, so he told a lot of people. Okay. Um, but I wasn't brave enough to like tell my mom and I did not want to go to court. Like as at 16, you mm-hmm. have no idea what you're doing. And the thought of talking about this in front of other people, it's hard for me to even use, I call it the R word. It's hard for me to even use rape in a sentence, Mm -hmm. um, let alone talk to a judge or anybody or tell my mom, you know, to like tell my mom for her to tell his parents to get everything involved. It just, I couldn't, I couldn't Mm -hmm. handle that. So I just kind of blocked it out, changed schools and decided not to deal with it. Mm -hmm. When you finally got therapy at 22, how did you start dealing with it? What were some positive coping mechanisms? Um, so Unfortunately, when I started to get help at 22, I had a boyfriend, so I wasn't having sex with a bunch of people. I don't really recommend that because I don't really associate sex with love or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So in therapy at 22, I honestly don't remember like what they would tell me. I went to Sex Addicts Anonymous, things like that. Um, But when I was, it was last year. I had a therapist who finally understood me. And I think for the longest time still, I didn't accept the fact that I was raped. And I, I don't know, I just, I couldn't accept it until last year when a therapist looked at me and said, no, 
that is what it was. You did not say yes. Like anything without your consent is a no. She said that I was stunted at 16. So my relationships, my friendships, how I deal with situations was all when I was like as a 16 year old. So with her, we really worked through it. Um, I didn't date for a while. I didn't hook up with anybody for a long time and just really focused on myself. But I think the moment that I was able to say, okay, this did happen to me, like this is my truth, but I don't have to live with it Mm -hmm. is when I started to really heal from it. I think I describe it kind of as like, you know, when somebody passes away and you feel like if you're not sad, it didn't happen or it didn't matter or they didn't mean anything to you. So I think for the longest time I felt like, well, if I didn't hold on to this, if this wasn't my identity, if I didn't say, no, I was sexually assaulted, I was sexually assaulted. If I started to move on and heal from it, then it didn't actually traumatize me that it wasn't that big of a deal. So I finally learned to allow myself to say, okay, no, it was a big deal. It did affect me. It will affect me the rest of my life. But in that same breath, it is okay to start to heal from it. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started to change. Did you ever approach him uh, later on in life? Well, he actually, so this happened my junior year of high school. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately he went to the same college as me Mm -hmm. in Arizona. Um, And he, one day I was, it was like my second week of school and he were in the same grade. So it was the second week of school and my, I was watching um, a movie with my friends at the movie theater and I got a bunch of calls from one of my friends. And basically she asked me if I knew who he was. And I said, no, cause I was like, I'm not trying to leave this college. I love this college. Mm-hmm. Um, basically she told me that she sat down a bunch of kids in his fraternity and told them what happened. So I had to get a restraining order against him. I knew talking to him wasn't going to do anything, you know, and I just really didn't want to deal with it. And at that time I was 18. And so I just got a restraining order and kept him far away from me. Okay. And then what, what would you recommend to anyone who is being sexually assaulted or has been sexually assaulted and they don't know how to deal with it? Um, So for me, before I was able to talk to anybody about it, I went on, I went online. Um, I found an online support group and talked to them because I was too embarrassed to talk to anybody else. But my recommendation would just be to tell one person, tell, just get it out, confide in at least one person, whether it's Mm -hmm. on the internet or whether it's in person, but just start to get your story out as hard as it is. I'm sure there's at least one person you can tell. And so that was a big turning point for me is when I could finally say it out loud. Okay. And I'm sure like there are moments in time, even though you have recovered or still recovering, that that moment still comes up and you think about it. Mm -hmm. Um, What, what, what do you do when that happens? Mm. So for anything with my depression, with my anxiety, when I get feelings like that, I let myself feel Mm -hmm. however I'm feeling. Um, I think that's a huge, huge thing that people need to start doing instead of pushing away your feelings. So if I don't want to have sex, I don't. 
If I don't want to talk to anybody, I don't. If I Mm -hmm. want to cry, I cry. Um, I think the biggest thing is whatever feelings come up, you have to feel them. Absolutely. And so uh, I know you mentioned that, was it 22 you tried commit suicide? Yes. So at 22, I was going through a breakup and guys have always really, really affected me. So if Mm -hmm. I get um my boyfriend at the time apparently he had another girlfriend and when I found out I just I couldn't handle it I was in Arizona at the time and I called my mom and I told her I'm gonna kill myself I need to come home and you need to put me in the hospital so I Mm -hmm. drove home to San Diego the next day and I was put in the hospital for about six days Mm -hmm. now as soon as you got out your cousin was Mm -hmm. it two three weeks later Yeah. So my cousin was two months younger than me and we both struggled with the same things. And when I went into the hospital, we were like best friends. But when I went into the hospital, I didn't tell him what I was doing because I didn't want him to think Mm -hmm. that suicide was an option. Um, so I got out of the hospital. He asked me where I had been. I just told him like, sorry, I've been super busy the past few days. Like, um, we'll reconnect. So that was, I got out around October 31st is when I got out of the hospital. And then we were on the phone on November 16th and we were talking about coming home for Thanksgiving and um, we made plans. He booked a flight or at least he told me he did. We hung up the phone, said, I'll see you in two days. Love you. Like happy Thanksgiving. I'll see you soon. Um, My mom called me the next morning and told me that within like that hour or that night, Um, he killed himself. Did he ever show signs of being suicidal? Um, Not suicidal to me, um, but I know that we both had like anger issues Mm -hmm. um, and and depression. He went through a lot. His dad passed away from cancer when we were about six years old. He lived with me for a little bit when we were growing up. Um, He had a lot of issues with drugs but he was like finally on the right path. Like he was going to school. He loved his school. He had a job. He had a girlfriend. Um, I did not know that he was struggling the way that he was. I thought everything had turned around. So when we were younger, yes, we both had the same whatever mental things were happening. Um, But that night, no, I had absolutely no idea. Mm -hmm. You know, it's hard you know, facing death of, of a loved one, you know, I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've been there as well, but when you deal with a death of a loved one, especially from suicide and you're going through your own troubles, how did you deal with yeah. it? Um, how did you manage to overcome that? Yeah. I think it's an ongoing battle still. Uh-huh. Um, so that happened almost five years ago now. Mm-hmm. And that one, I am not, Sure. I just know that I couldn't put my family through that again. Mm-hmm. I'm still angry with him for doing that to me. Um, I felt like he was the only one who really understood me. I felt like we really understood each other, mm-hmm. um, which is why I can't blame him for what he did because I yeah. felt that way for sure. Um, but yeah, to be honest, I just, whenever I get sad, so I heard this one day, which I wish I would have heard it earlier, but when you lose somebody, 
um, you give yourself like 10 minutes a day to like completely feel all those feelings. But until those 10, you set like every day at 7 PM or something, you give yourself all day to feel, you know, like happy and do and continue on with your life. And then from seven to seven ten or seven twenty. Um, that is when you feel all those emotions. So that way you're not just feeling completely drained all day long. So I started to do that and it helped a lot. I wrote him a letter about how I was feeling. That helped me a lot. And really just, I don't know, it's still a struggle to this day. So Mm -hmm. I'm not the best at giving advice on that one. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because I've heard that too, where we have negative emotions and negative thoughts and instead of shunning everything away, you know, you tell yourself, Hey, I'm going to think about this later by the end of the day. And you set aside a little bit of time, whether it's five, 10, however much time you want it, but you set aside that time for that day. So you don't feel negative all day and, and you don't disrupt your day. But what would you tell someone who is suicidal right now and wants to give up? I would tell them that they need to first talk to somebody, write down. So what I used to do when I was suicidal and, you know, now is I write down all the things that are going right in my life and all the things that I'm grateful for. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I think that when you get into that place of everything's wrong, my life sucks, nothing's going right. If you just sit there with a piece of paper and a pen and you start to write down things that are going right, your brain will rewire and you're able to actually see all the things that are going right. So I'm like, okay, I have a great boyfriend. I have a great job. I have a great house. I have great pets as small as like, I love my bed sheets, just like, you know, little tiny things. Like I just got a cool hairbrush and as stupid as it sounds, just having your, and it's super important to write it down and not say it out loud because you can't see, you can't see that. Oh my gosh, I'm on number 22 of great things. Like, Number 21, my aunt is really cool sometimes, you know, and just writing down all the things that you're grateful for. I just wrote a paper on positive psychology and gratitude is something that is huge for beating depression. So when I was in my super, super low places, um, every single night, I'm not a morning person, so I would not do this in the morning, but every single night I would write at least five things that I liked about myself. And at least five things that I was grateful for, whether it was like, dang, my hair looked good today, or like my eyelashes were cool. Or um, another thing too. Okay. So what I used to do in my journal when I was like, when I couldn't, if you can't think of things that make you happy, I would write down things that I did for the day. So I actually found my journals from 2014 from when I was suicidal. One of them was like, today I woke up. I had coffee because I love coffee. So I was like, I woke up, I had coffee, I watched TV and I played with my cats and I went to bed. But those were five things that I did that day, you know, as small as you played with your cats. And I also, you know, you feel really alone when you're depressed. Mm -hmm. So what I used to do too, is I used to write down all the people that I talked to that day, even if it was one text message. So like, Raquel texted me today, or I talked to Anna on the phone and I would see 
like, oh my gosh, wait, I talked to four friends today, even if it was a quick little text. So if you're feeling sad, one, write down what you're grateful for. Two, write down what you did that day, even if it was just drinking coffee and watching TV, because look at you, you did it. And then write down the people that you talked to. And that really, really helped me. Yeah. And then as far as being grateful, would Mm -hmm. you write down the same? Is it okay to write down the same thing over and over again? Yeah. So if that is what is going to help you write down the same thing, I always say get at least five out. Mm -hmm. But if you are grateful for those same five things the next day, that's completely fine because it's going to get easier and easier to find things that you're grateful for. Mm-hmm. It's. I, I love that you brought up that exercise of everything you got accomplished. Because when I was 22, I did an exercise from from a guy named Jack Canfield from a book, and he told us to write 101 accomplishments. Mm-hmm. And these accomplished accomplishments could be the smallest things mm-hmm. that you wouldn't people wouldn't consider an accomplishment, but to you it could be an accomplishment. Right. <laughs> It's a great point. Would you go back and do anything differently? I don't. In high school. Yeah, I don't think I would because at that time, that is how I was able to process information. Mm-hmm. You know, as a 28-year-old, sure, there are things I would have done differently. But as 16, 17, and 18-year-old, no, I would have done it all the same. Cool. And do you have any last tips for someone in high school, 16, 17, 18 years old, uh, that could possibly be suicidal, have gone through sexual assault, that is being bullied? What would you tell them right now? Um, I would just let them know that they're not alone. Um, what I used to do when I was, when I didn't want to talk to anybody, well, when I didn't have friends and I felt like I couldn't talk mm-hmm. to my parents, especially now everybody has Google. Um, so what I used to do is I used to type into Google. I feel really, really sad right now. Am I the only one? Or I'm getting bullied at school. Am I the only one? You have Google. You can realize that you are not alone. There are so many people who feel like this. I know that middle school and high school can be so tough. I changed middle schools three times, high schools twice, but that is what I would do. I would just find, don't ever meet up with somebody that you met online, but I would just go into online chat rooms and, or online forums and just realize that you, you're not alone. Mm -hmm. So many people are getting bullied, but it will get better. Absolutely. Thank you, Tova, so much. And where can people find you? Um, my Instagram is Tova Marks. I also have an Instagram called Hey Tova, where I sh- share people's stories to uh-huh. show that you guys are not alone. Yeah, and that's where you can find me. <laughs> Similar to my book I'm writing called Never Fight Alone. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> share people's stories. Awesome. Well, I truly do appreciate this interview. Um, really hope we can be in touch. You know, I yes. think you're doing a great thing. I know you're studying. You're doing your master's program right now, and I'm Mm -hmm. sure you're going to make such an impact on people's lives. Thank you. (laughs) Take care. All right. Bye. Tova has gone through numerous amounts of struggles, anywhere from bullying to rape to depression to feeling like committing suicide to her cousin, who's also her best friend, committed suicide. And I'm glad Tova got to clarify what the definition of rape and sexual assault is. Many times we think rape as something we see at the movies where someone pins down the other person with force, has sex with them. No. Rape means having sex with another individual 
without their consent. And she made it clear to her, um, someone she was dating at that time that she didn't want to have sex with someone that wasn't her boyfriend. And the guy did it anyways, and the guy realized what he did, and it took a huge toll on her. If there's one piece of advice that Tova can give anyone who has been sexually assaulted is first you need to accept the fact that you have been raped and sexually assaulted. For many years, she didn't accept it. She thought it was no big deal, and she coped with it in many negative ways. Soon enough, as soon as she accepted the fact, hey, I was raped, that's when her healing process started. That's when she was able to go to therapy. So if there's one piece of advice she can give you is to accept whatever you're going through. Also, if she, she says, if you feel like you want to commit suicide, there are so many other people out there who are going through the same challenges as you. And if there's one, one thing you can do is you can even go on Google and say, hey, Google, I'm going through so-and-so-and-so, such-and-such-and-such. Is there anyone out there who's going through the same thing? I guarantee you, you're going to find communities. You're going to find different resources. You're going to find different books, videos on what you can do to overcome that specific challenge. Because as soon as you commit suicide, you don't end the problem. You transfer the problem to someone else. And she didn't want to see her mom go through uh, losing her only daughter. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode. Uh, if you're not following me on Instagram, please follow me on Instagram at Shlomo Salson. That is my handle name. I give different tips, strategies, and I share stories on what you can do to overcome certain adversity in your, in, in your life. I also you know, do a little bit of vlogging. I sh- share different personal stories of mine. So please follow me at Shlomo Salson. And until next time, peace.